0: hour is going to challenge everything you think you know. Two great people going to join us this half hour. Uh, One is Benjamin Weingarten, a good friend of ours, and from Real Clear Investigations, he has looked at all of the worst things, 9-11, Pearl Harbor, and he's compared them. You know, the stat for stats on how they've changed things in America. Oh, I think it's... I think that January 6th doesn't even rank, but we'll get that coming up in a minute. And a good friend, somebody I disagree with a lot, but is so challenging to your thinking. It is always a fun exercise. And honestly, he's just hysterically funny. Michael Malice joins us in 60 seconds. All right. Let's talk a little bit about our, Stu, can you do these? Because I am about to lose my voice. Yeah, no, uh,
1: we're going to talk to you a little bit about Patriot Mobile. This is uh, a company we love because you're talking about a, a company that has stepped up in ways that many others have not. And, and you, if you have a big time, uh, these, these companies that come out and they say, oh, we are the best. We are the biggest. We, we care about you, the big name mobile companies. You have one of those, and they're likely donating part of the money you're sending them every month to causes that you completely disagree with, and you have to wonder and ask yourself, why am I doing that? Do I want that to keep happening? Um, they are, you know, on the same towers as Patriot Mobile. The service uh, is as good or better with Patriot Mobile, and Patriot Mobile says, you know what? We're going to donate a portion of our uh, of our of the money we take in for the bill to conservative causes. Conservative causes. They're admitting it. Everyone else runs from conservatives like they can't they don't want to be associated with them. Patriot Mobile is saying this is who we are. We are going to try to stop these things that are happening in our country that you don't agree with. Why fund them when you can help stop them? Go to patriotmobile.com/beck or call 972 patriot. You get free activation with the offer code beck. Veterans and first responders save even more so you can make the switch today. And support a company that loves America, loves you, and shares your values. PatriotMobile.com slash Beck. It's PatriotMobile.com slash Beck. Or call them 972-PATRIOT.
0: Michael Malice joining us. Before I get there, I just want to say, um, because last night the painting that I did of Joe Lewis uh, being knocked out by Max Schmeling, Schmeling called, uh, that I call it, the birth of a champion, uh, was trending last night, because it was, it was on during an interview with, uh, with Donald Trump, and uh, they're calling it Nazi propaganda. It couldn't be further from the truth. I've said that I'm not gonna sell this. There's one person I would sell this to. I would sell it to Joe Rogan, because he would appreciate the, uh, uh, the message in this. If Joe wants to buy it, great. Otherwise, I'm keeping the original, but I am going to today. I'm asking somebody to come over, uh, you know, with a mask and gloves and get it and copy it because I am going to sell prints of this um, because it's, you know, that controversial Nazi painting by Glenn Beck, which has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with learn your lesson, stand back up and knock that guy out. Uh, all right. Michael Malice is with us. Hi, Michael. Good morning. How are you, sir?
2: I'm much better than you. My condolences on your uh, illness. Uh, And and whatever you think, Ah. I promise you, it's not karma.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It might be. It might be. (laughs) Oh, you know, I had it before there was a vaccine, so I've been riding on the antibodies. Um, And uh, I just got it. What Wednesday? I just it hit me like a bag of bricks, but now with an exception of just some lingering now problems with my voice, uh I'm pretty much past it. I mean, it, it the first time I had it, it knocked me out for about three weeks. uh This is just like a really really bad cold this time. Yeah, two of uh, so my I guess friends got it over the
2: weekend, and and uh, it's it, it, it's it's a scary word, you know. Like I was feeling a little bit under weather last week, and I'm like, is this it? Is this you know? Is this showtime? Uh, and, and it was just kind of allergies, whatever, but it, it's scary. And I hope everyone listening, you know, stays healthy and, and happy, of course.
1: Yeah. Uh, Michael, I don't know if you heard this, uh, Glenn talking about the backstory of this uh, painting that he did uh, of Joe Lewis and Max Schmelling and this reaction from Chris Hayes of MSNBC. And, uh, you know, to be fair, tons of other people on the left. Uh, He they, they see this painting in the background of one of his interviews. They say, oh, my gosh, he's got Nazi propaganda up there because this is when Max Schmeling had beaten Joe Lewis. And, you know, any simple Googling gets you to the explanation as to what this painting is, that Glenn's praising, you know, like you have a failure and that turns your life around. And that's the important moment when you when you fail that that leads to success in the future. And, you know, you've talked about the media really well over over the years, and you, I think, understand this better than so many others. What is the motivation here? Like, why would you embarrass yourself and not even look for the facts here? Why just attack your opponents with, with without any knowledge, whether you're right Literally
2: or wrong? Literally
0: with a Google, a Google search.
2: I'm going to give you two answers. First, I'm going to play devil's advocate, because I, I think you guys remember, it was like a year ago when former Senate, Senate candidate Harold Ford was staring at an Airbnb, and behind him on the wall was Andy Warhol's painting of Chairman Mao. And Warhol meant it as a finger to Mao as an example of how Mao had become a quote-unquote celebrity in the same way that Warhol painted Elizabeth Taylor and Malin Monroe. And all the conservatives were freaking out that this was communist propaganda, even though it wasn't his house, Hmm. and even though it would have been simple Googling. So that's number one. So this goes, Uh people misunderstand art very easily. The whole point of art is that it's open to interpretation. And the other problem is, people who are corporate journalists are often not very bright. <laughs> so they are going to have that knee-jerk reaction. But as you guys have seen, as everyone listening to this knows, the, the demand for Nazis outweighs the supply. There is such desperation <laughs> uh, on the part of, you know, corporate media outlets to find Nazis that they're looking for them everywhere uh, to the point where people are often painting, you know, Uh, fascist slogans to demonstrate that there's fascism and they're later caught and they're often, you know, people are minorities. You're you're saying this is
0: Nazi inflation. Too many Nazi hunters (laughs) chasing too few Nazis.
2: I mean, we we laugh, but I mean, it it, it would be a very serious problem. And it's not to pretend that there are no, you know, quasi-fascists in American culture, and certainly in Europe nowadays. But the, the premise that glenn beck would be dumb enough (laughs) to sit in front of a nazi painting while he's interviewing a president and have that be some kind of subtle dog whistle that no one's going to pick up that is what's amazing they have a complete lack of ability to empathize with other perspectives and they're just waiting in every moment for the mask to drop, so to speak, which is kind of a bit of projection. Uh, And you saw this also with, uh, you know, the Trump's Charlottesville speech, where when he condemned white nationalists in the same breath when he said both sides, the clip is there, it's indisputable, but, you know, President Biden brings it up to this day.
0: So what is your take on genetics? I think that's the biggest story of the week. And you're cutting uh, out a little bit
1: there, um, Michael, but he said, uh, what's your take on January 6th that that didn't come through?
2: Oh, yeah. So, I I mean, I I mean, it's very tragic. Uh, AOC had to talk to a cop for five minutes and she was traumatized for months. (laughs) Rashida Tlaib, remember, was crying on the floor of the house. AOC had to comfort her. Uh, There were some bottles of water knocked over. Someone had to speed up on Pelosi's death. Here's my takeaway, and and I'm going to get a little bit serious for a minute. Where has President Trump been? He defended the people when he was giving that Charlottesville speech, the people when he said there's good people on both sides, he was referring to the controversy about removing statues. That's what he was defending. The people were saying we shouldn't remove statues. The people on January 6th were his people. They were all his people. These were his hardcore supporters. Now they're being held in detention in horrible conditions for who knows how long. They are his hardcore supporters and he shrugs his shoulders and i think this is the big problem that conservatives have to appreciate when it comes to donald trump we had four years of president trump being attacked for the most demented things imaginable including how many scoops of ice cream he had that he fed the fish wrong when he was in japan even though he's following the prime minister's lead queen elizabeth gestured for him to walk in front of her which he did then she couldn't get around him because he's a lot bigger They cropped the first part where she gestured, so it looks like he just stood in front of her like a buffoon. So we had four years of that. So understandably, conservatives got protective and defensive of President Trump. He's not in office now. It's been a year. And I would encourage conservatives to take a step back and realize not every criticism of President Trump has been inaccurate because the man has shown a severe lack of loyalty towards people who have been loyal to him. And I'm thinking specifically of Michael Flynn, And I'm thinking especially of Jeff Sessions, who was probably the strongest anti-illegal immigrant person in the Senate, became attorney general. Because of him, Trump got him primaried and he blew a Senate seat in Alabama. How does that happen? So if people are looking forward to 2024, keep in mind, this guy's loyalty is a one-way street. And that's a big problem because conservatives tend to be very, very loyal people.
0: Hmm. I, I agree with that. We were just talking about how loyalty is number one. You, I know you know the Jonathan uh, Height book, uh, oh, but loyalty is number one on the scale. And it's it's interesting because I do think that it that is the number one thing with Donald Trump is loyalty. Um, and in talking to him, you know, I just sat down with him uh, uh, about a month ago, right. and then I had dinner with him and his wife. And I I came away with the impression, and this is just from you know the off the record just dinner conversation i came away from that meeting feeling as though the truly the main reason he would run again is because he doesn't want to let the people down that he trusted and said i will do this and then was doing it and then and then lost and he knows he can fix it. And he is expressed it in several different ways. But it was the same thing. I'm not going to leave those people without anyone who will fight for them.
2: Uh, here, let's bring some receipts. When President Trump got into office, the federal, the, the federal budget was $4 trillion under Obama. Two years later, mm-hmm. before COVID, it was $4.4 trillion, an increase of 10% under his watch. He was, he's promised as it, when he campaigned. And this was a very legitimate promise from given his, his background that he knew the best people and he was going to staff his cabinet with the best people. And we thought he was going to bring in all these outsiders, people you'd never expect to see in, in politics. And the next thing you know, it's Rens Priebus. And the chairman of Exxon is the secretary of state. His staffing decisions, I think everyone has to acknowledge were horrible. He's driving out people who have so, the mind, like Steve Bannon, <laughs> and he's bringing in the swamp creatures.
0: All right, so let me, let me just push back on that because I'd like to hear your opinion on it. Um, I, in the interview I did, I said, You got a clean house. Um, yeah. And he talked, about, he talked about the, you know, he had two jobs to fix the country and to survive and he said uh i can't go in there with the same gop i can't go in there with the same group of people i have to have people around me that are on the same page because pretty much i gotta fire everybody in every department and i think he gets that i've talked to people who are inside the administration before and they said the one mistake that they made was they underestimated the power of All of these long-term bureaucrats and the Republican Party uh, that they would be so against him Um, and he's not gonna he's not gonna repeat that now I don't know who he staffs it with and who he gets to have the balls to run some of these things to fire or shut down these departments Um, but that's what it's gonna take one way or another love to hear your response Uh, coming up in one minute let me take one minute 60 seconds to tell you about our sponsor this half <coughs> this half hour uh who is it Stu. it is a gold line yeah gold line thank you uh is uh, uh,
1: <laughs> we've been talking about the problems with inflation quite a bit over the past few weeks yeah gold line you know it's been around for a long time they've been doing this you know better than anybody for a, a really long time and you know the inflation of course is already here we've seen it I mean, you've, you've talked about it, Glenn, from everywhere from cars to groceries. <laughs> I mean, it's all over the place and it's everywhere. not transitory. Michael,
0: right. And Michael just talked about it. I mean, you know, 10 percent increase on our national debt. What is it now? I mm. mean, are we over 30 trillion dollars yet? I think we are, aren't we? I mean, nobody's talking about our debt. It is out of control, out of control. And they're using modern monetary theory to get through this. Um, It won't work. It never has worked. Uh, And read in The Great Reset, my book that comes out next week, it talks about what the second part of modern monetary theory is. And that's just controlling everything. Um, It's coming. And the answer is Uh, spread out your risk. And one of the things you should invest in is gold or silver, because the world always, when it comes back to its senses from insanity, it always returns to physical gold. Uh, If that's not enough reason for you to get moving, uh, Goldline has an extremely small quantity
1: of their holiday silver rounds and their special Mind Your Business silver bars left over from their Christmas promotion. Please call them ASAP to find out how to qualify for the free silver Call uh, 1-866-GOLDLINE. It's 866-GOLDLINE or go to goldline.com. 10 seconds, station ID.
0: So if you don't know who Michael Malice is, um, he is the guy who's written the Anarchist Handbook. He is an anarchist, but not the Antifa throw bombs through windows kind of uh, anarchy. am I right on that Michael please verify that I
2: not through windows but you know <laughs> <anyway>. <laughs>
0: um, he does he believes that if there were no government um, we would be we'd all be better off I, I disagree with that but I, I lean towards uh, in fact I don't lean towards I'd like to shut down all of the Department of fill in the blank. I'd like them all to be gone. Um, They they have no they have no place in our in our um, in our government, in my opinion. So uh, Michael is coming from a different place. But I like that because he makes me think things through and pushes me up against the wall. So I I question the things that I think I believe. I think that's really important. So Michael, your response on what I just said here about a minute ago.
2: Right, so you were talking about how President Trump said to you uh, that he understands he has to fire a lot of these staffers and bring in good people. My my pushback would be like, does he understand this? Or does he understand what he needs to say to you in order to maintain uh, your support in the next cycle? And here's the evidence to the contrary. There's something called revealed preferences, right? If you tell your spouse, I love you, I love you, I love you, but you're never home and you're cheating on them, talk is cheap your actions are telling trump is launching a social media company who did he hire to run the social media company devin Nunes. devin Nunes' entire background is being one a dairy farmer and then a congressman what does he know about running a social media company all he knows is he has a rolodex in washington he's a creature of the swamp now he might be a great conservative he might i'm sure he's a very ethical great person so on and so forth but to say that he's some kind of outsider Is nonsensical so Trump had the opportunity to and the other thing is and this is not his fault he's been rendered so radioactive why would I if I was working in Wall Street San Francisco LA New York why would I want working on the Trump administration on my resume it would ruin my career and again this is not Trump's fault at all but that has been an issue for him in the past and going forward it's going to be even more of an issue
0: yeah i i do agree with that it is going to be hard to get people and then that is you know we have to have people who understand where we are in our society It it is it, it, look it's almost lights out time uh and um you know maybe we deserve it um because we have taken this for granted for so long Uh, And we've been running on other generations' vapors for so long, and we've become this monstrosity uh, that is all run in Washington. So uh, maybe we deserve it, but I think the original premise is worth uh, uh, saving. I don't know where he gets those people. I mean, you know, you look at David Nunes, you see him as an insider. I see him as an insider outsider, you know what I mean? He's a guy who's been there who doesn't like the way it's running and has been standing up for it. It's a little like Rand Paul. Yes. Sure. He's in, um, but he's he's working hard from within to try to uh to shut it down. Are those people are important or are they the same? They're, they're very important. I'm not questioning that at all. But my point to you is
2: what evidence do you have that Devin Nunes knows anything about social media? Now, it's, yeah, it's so the it, it runs. So it's clear that Trump got him as he hires most of these people because of a sense of loyalty to him. Now, that's very important because he's been betrayed left and right. But my yes. point is he's because of all the forces against him, conservatives have to appreciate he got beaten by a corpse in the 2020 election. And these same forces are now even more powerful because they have the White House. And you can't tell me that he shouldn't have seen it coming, all the machinations that the Democrats did in various states to finagle the vote to make sure they got the result they wanted. There was that Time Magazine article bragging about these coalitions that were behind the scenes, Molly Hemingway. Uh, did a great book called RIG, discussing it. It's nothing to do with the voting machines. It had to do with it a year-long uh, series yep. of attempts, including things by Mark Zuckerberg, I... to get the result. Uh,
0: I agree with you. Michael Malice, thanks for stopping in. Michael Malice, you can follow him at Michael Malice. Back in a minute. The Glenn Back Program. Alright, let me tell you about the Tuttle Twins, a uh, series of books that I just think should be on every parent and grandparent's shelf. Yeah,
1: I'm, they're on my shelves uh, with with our kids. I have an 8 and a 10-year-old. I don't know what the exact
0: age range is for the Tuttle Twins books. I mean, really... They go like, anywhere from... Anywhere from uh, six to uh, twelve, probably, and then they have things for teenagers and young adults as well
1: yeah they 're great because they don 't come off as preachy, you know as a, I know as a parent, I, I want my kids to be able to understand the foundations that the country was built on, the, you know the principles that we talk about every single day, but they 're not going to listen to me blabbing about them. Uh, Especially when they're... Yeah, exactly. It just doesn't happen. They don't do it with me either. Right. It's just... No kid wants to listen to their parents. Um, But Tuttle Twins books are great stories that have these uh, principles kind of built into them. And it's a fantastic series of books. They're having a great sale now. 35% discount off their books. Plus... They're giving away the activity workbooks, no additional cost. It's a big discount off the, uh, off the normal price. Go to TuttleTwinsBeck.com, T-U-T-T-L-E, TwinsBeck.com to get the discount. It's TuttleTwinsBeck.com. Keep your kids sane in a crazy socialist world. TuttleTwinsBeck.com.
0: Welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. I am about to lose my voice entirely, and I want to make sure that I'm full-throated for uh, next week. The new book comes out on the Great Reset, but the biggest story this week had to be uh, about the candlelight vigil they had at the at this on the stairs of the Capitol last night, commemorating all those that. Well, no, because uh, nobody died except mm, a Marine uh, that was on the. Uh, Opposing side, so I don't know what the candles were lit for because they certainly were not uh, highlighting her They are trying to make this um, into the uh, Another 1941 or 9-11 and it's despicable Yesterday on Stu's show he had Benjamin Weingarten on a very dear friend of ours and brilliant guy who has done a little investigation into that claim Ben I don't think anybody can hear me.
1: We can hear you, but Ben might not be able to. Ben, are you there?
0: Uh, Yep, Yep, I'm
3: here,
1: guys. Okay, there he is. Uh, Ben Weingarten is with us. Uh, We kind of mentioned uh, your study here, Ben, uh, talking about the differences between uh, the 2020 Floyd riots and the 2021 January 6th riot. And it's a point that conservatives have made many times and that there was no... There was no real focus on this. In fact, it was we saw it praised by the left, these riots that were going on. Um, and it, many times we pointed out there's a, there's a discrepancy here. Why aren't these both being treated equally? You went through and tried to quantify this. Can you tell us about the process of putting all this together?
3: Yeah, the, the whole objective of this was to fill in the gap that the media and our political class has created in terms of their total inability and unwillingness to address what people saw with their own eyes and what the public wants to see, according to the polling, which is an equal investigation into what transpired in summer 2020, something that, of course, the Vice President of the United States herself uh, drummed up support for bail funds, which effectively incentivized that behavior for, set that aside for a moment. The public wanted to see, according to polling, equal scrutiny for those riots as the January 6th Capitol riot. And since the political class and media wouldn't do it, we put together this chart basically comparing the size, scope, and nature of the political violence that transpired at the Capitol versus the summer 2020 riots. So people could assess the gravity of the two in and of themselves and compare it to each other with their own eyes and make their own assessment as to whether the hyperbolic political rhetoric actually met the case based on the facts and the merits. And then also we looked at the investigative and prosecutorial vigor associated with pursuing those who were culpable or accused in connection with crimes associated with these events. And so we went through chapter and verse, federal government documents, law enforcement documents, court records reporting from the most mainstream institutions so that people could assess for themselves a couple major things. One, is the the hyperbole reality? And then number two, is there a double standard in the way these cases were prosecuted and investigated to the extent they even were? And what we found were some really remarkable takeaways in terms of the contrast between these two cases of political violence.
1: Yeah, Ben, let's start with the scope of this, because, uh, you know sure there's a symbolism of the Capitol that i think is separate from these uh, from from one of these other incidents i will say you also go through the 2017 inauguration riot which people basically forget about and show that that's much closer to the scale of the Capitol riot and has a lot of the same symbolism attached to it but kind of give me the the difference in scale between these two events you have january 6 and the 2020 george floyd riots
3: Yeah, so the headline numbers, I think, are these. First, the summer 2020 riots resulted in 15 times more injured police officers, one of whom, of course, was killed, David Dorn, 23 times as many arrests, and estimated damages in dollar terms. And this is the most egregious or massive disparity here. 1,300 times more costly was the damage of the summer 2020 riots $1 to $2 billion in damages there, versus approximately $1.5 in an event that's compared to 9-11, Pearl Harbor, the worst acts of the Civil War. Staggering differences there. Now, you talk about the symbolism of what transpired, and that's basically the the best case that's been made to try to marshal the idea that this event is somehow on the level. Uh, But it really falls apart when you look at the casualties, the fatalities, the damage that was done, and then you look at the what I would argue is an egregious double standard injustice here of cases being dismissed in mass, up to ninety plus percent of citations or charges dropped, dismissed, or not filed in at least a dozen major jurisdictions across the country. So all the low level cases essentially gone, wiped clean. In the case of the Capitol Riot, where there have been seven hundred plus people hit with charges, the vast majority of which are misdemeanors, all of one case has been kicked. And dozens of people have been held in pretrial detention for months on end. Some of them will spend over a year in jail before ever hearing their case in what have been alleged to be abusive conditions, with people held in solitary confinement for 20-plus hours. And I think the, the big takeaway, one last point I'll make briefly, is a judge, the chief judge of the D.C. District Court, where these cases are being heard, chastise the Biden Justice Department, its prosecutors, with a line, and I think this is a verbatim quote here, you're trying to resolve the crime of the century with class B misdemeanors. I think unintentionally that is the most telling line of the whole case, a case in which, of course, not one person has been hit with a charge of terrorism, insurrection, treason, sedition. The political case, the political persecution does not match the legal prosecution.
1: Yeah, I think that's one of the big things that's uh, that's I- interesting, because if it is this crime of the century, this is not how they would handle it. And, you know, that's not to minimize it. I think it's really about just getting scale and appropriate perspective on all of these events together. It's not to say that January 6th was nothing. It's just to say that, you know, the summer of 2020 was also not nothing. It was something that was really, really important in our country and in a way I think went a good distance in normalizing political violence all over the place. It, you know, It created a, a, a climate where we just kind of approve of this stuff and it seemed to be okay. Half the country was saying, you know what, you can't really criticize it. And that leads to January 6th types of, of events all around the country if you don't get it under control.
3: And then look at what the knock-on effects have been. And and to your point, it's not to minimize what happened. It's to say, let's look at it openly and honestly so we can assess whether the fallout has been merited or not. And the fallout of January 6th is remarkable. I wrote a week after January 6th in The Federalist that this was going to be used as a catalyzing event to try to cast up to half the country or more as being terrorists or their co-conspirators, sympathizers, aiders, abettors, and use that to have a massive crackdown on dissent. And we've seen that with the Biden administration using January 6th to create a national strategy for countering domestic terrorism, so-called, which has all sorts of issues around chilling, political dissent, censorship, colluding with big tech to try to crush people. We've obviously seen that happen in mass over the last year. We've seen people booted off of payment processing platforms, banks discriminating against people. Of course, people being doxxed in their workplaces, harassed, ostracized, pushed out of public life to the point where anyone could be a Donald Trump in terms of the harassment, the ostracization, uh, legal prosecution, in fact. And I think those, those being held in the D.C. jail, particularly those who spent months there who have no criminal background and are accused of essentially glorified trespassing, parading, which I think might be the, the, there may be more charges of that than any other charge and the ones that people have been hit with. They stand as a living example, a living symbol of you could end up just like these people if you dare dissent from the ruling class orthodoxy. And then you look at the knock-on effects of the summer 2020 riots, and it's been a massive surge in violent crime in cities across the country. And that disparity is also really worth mentioning. We've seen a massive rise in violent crime and an effort to not police across the country with mass dismissal of cases in cities across the country. And by contrast, every case and their mother is being pursued with respect to the Capitol riot, except, of course, these couple unindicted co-conspirators that we've read all about who, for whatever reason are not being
1: pursued. Mm. Yeah. It's amazing too to see when you talk about after effects, it's not like there's been a a rush of uh, an increase in membership of QAnon since January 6th, right? Like it's gone the opposite way. I think, you know, people realize a lot of that stuff was not uh, true. And, you know, the same thing with like some of these organizations like proud boys and everything else, there hasn't been a rush for people to join those organizations On the other hand, the fallout from the 2020 George Floyd riots has been a massive increase in funding to the organizations who led the riots. The people who are out there organizing the marches that led to, you know, buildings being burned to the ground are now getting billions and billions of dollars a year in donations from large corporations. That is not at all what has happened after January 6th. Thankfully, Uh, you know, this has turned into an, uh, an industry where groups, companies as big as Nike are out there endorsing the same groups that were endorsing these riots.
3: It's been the ultimate social justice shakedown. Uh, To your point, it's billions of dollars, tens of billions of dollars, funding a woke anti-cultural revolution that's rolled through our country and that's now backed with the full power of the federal government. And to tie it all together, to put a nice, well, terrible bow on all of this, Of course, we found out that the vigil organizer last night herself had been tied to threats against Josh Hawley's family on the eve of January 6th, uh, as well as other acts of political violence that she and the group she's associated with have been tied to those left-wing acts of political violence. So, of course, that's the premier vigil organizer last night, so somber, so serious so so concerned about the state of our democracy i.e their power
1: Mm, absolutely incredible i encourage you to uh, check out the work ben weingarten uh, uh, for real clear investigations um because you also got to check out the 2017 inauguration riot we didn't have a chance to get to that here but you it's important to look at all of this stuff and how they compare and finally somebody's gone through and done the hard work to put all this together ben weingarten you can get his work i'll tweet it out as well at studios america and you can follow ben as well on twitter ben thanks so much for coming on man i appreciate it
3: thanks for having me appreciate
0: it All right. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about our sponsor. It's LifeLock. You need somebody in your corner making sure that you and your family, the name that you have worked so hard, along with all of the stuff that you've worked so hard to uh, gather is protected and lifelock can do that
1: yeah they can uh, whether they're you know you're getting cyber criminals hacking in and stealing the information themselves or they're finding it somewhere out there on the dark web cyber criminals have one thing and one thing only on their mind taking what is yours and if you're not finding and using the best means of protection on the internet it could happen to you very easily that's why lifelock exists uh, they're not only going to alert you if they find suspicious activity but they will also work with you to fix it It's a great service. They do a great job. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses, but you can keep what's yours with Lifelock by Norton. Join now and save up to 25% off your first year with the promo code BEC. 1 800 Lifelock, or head to lifelock.com. Use the promo code BEC for 25% off at lifelock.com. The Glenn Back Program. It's the Glenn Beck Program, 888 727 Beck is the number uh, tonight on Studios America. We'll have uh, kind of an update on the situation with kids and how they're being affected by these COVID policies. It's been really a devastating time for kids, and uh, for some reason, we as a country have decided, you know what is a good idea? We should put all of the burden on children without any of the benefit for children when it comes to these policies. So even if these policies were to work, we've now decided as a, as a nation, we're going to format our country as one that puts children in control of the, uh, the health of adults. We put them through all of these restrictions to protect older people. And like, maybe there's some trade-off there we could handle, but the trade-off is much too high now. We'll get into that a little bit later on uh, tonight. We're seeing... Right now in the Supreme Court, they are talking and doing oral arguments about the vaccine mandate, a couple of different ones. One is the big Biden private business mandate where every company over 100 people would have to implement a vaccine mandate or test once a week uh, and wear masks if you happen to be unvaccinated. That's going to the Supreme Court, not for the full argument. They're not trying to decide you know, who wins and who loses. They're talking about whether the policy can be in place while they figure out who wins and who loses. But of course, this is a massive deal. If they allow this to go into place until, um, until the, it winds all the, you know, all the way through the system, you're going to have a situation where this policy is going to be put into effect by most large companies and be the state of affairs either way. So this is really important. It's going on right now. And the arguments are interesting. you know, For example, Sotomayor is saying um, that many kids are on ventilators from COVID. Now, no one who knows anything about this situation believes that's accurate. Which leads you to believe that Sonia Sotomayor, with a lifetime appointment to the Supreme Court, knows nothing about the subject she's talking about. It's not zero kids. We obviously have seen some children have been affected. But generally speaking, and overwhelmingly so... You know, something like drowning is killing more people that are children than COVID is. Also, Sotomayor has said today that Omicron is as deadly as Delta. Well, every single piece of information that we have says that it's not. Every single study we have seen so far on Omicron says the opposite of that. Which is fascinating. It's not as deadly. That doesn't mean it's not going to be a big deal. It's more infectious, so more people will be hit with it, but they have less of a chance to die as individuals. And she also asked this question, and I think today you may want to ponder this in a quiet moment. She asked, quote, Why is a human spewing a virus not like a machine spewing sparks? A lot of times we tend to group the left side of the court together, just say the liberals on the court, it's important to note that Soda Sotomayor is she's a special one. Uh, she she's really she's really dumb uh, compared to everybody else sitting there. Uh, she's, Kagan might I might disagree with Kagan, but she seems to have a good head on her shoulders. Sotomayor just seems like a moron. 888 727 back. We'll see you tomorrow.
3: This is the Glenn Back Program.